Good morning. How's everybody today? Lovely. It's good to be here in the presence of the Lord. Um, we're going to talk about the Lord this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that if ever I have the opportunity to teach or preach or minister, my greatest desire, of course, is to glorify Him, but is that you would walk away desiring to know Him more, that you would, um, that that would be the, you know, the passion of your heart. And so today we're going to talk about really the, the endless nature of God. You know, we've been talking a lot about the presence of God. And Pastor's been teaching us line upon line about what that means in Scripture. And it's really important for us to understand, you know, the differences between His presence, His glory, and the way that He manifests Himself in our midst. Um, the way that he manifests himself through the ministry that he calls us to partner with him in. And I really, I never imagined that 25 years into this, I would be where I am today in so many different respects. But where I feel like this moment is a life-changing moment for us. We are never going to stop learning of him. We are never going to stop pursuing him. We are never going to stop just knowing him. And we have all of eternity for that. But the beautiful thing to me about it is we, we, we get the privilege of knowing him in our humanity here on the earth. And so this morning, the Lord led me to this psalm. This is a very familiar psalm. Um, I remember the first Bible that was given to me when I was a little girl. I still have it. I think I might have been 10. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at the date. <sighs> but the inscription inside of it says Psalm 139. And I was 10 or 12. <laughs> And over the course of the years, of course, I have read this psalm. I've meditated on this psalm. In November, we went to California to, for Noah's birthday. And um, several months before, I had given Noah a Bible. And I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> oh, Monica, this is the way, just the way that you are. Anyway, I had given him a Bible several months before. And we're at his apartment. And he said, Mama, I want you to write my Bible. So I went, took a, you know, a, a quiet moment, went and sat down on a sofa, got the pen and got it out. And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, that's nothing trite, you know, that, that's something that is significant to me. So I sat there and I wrote to Noah, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, Lord, what are you going to say? And he said, Psalm 139. So I wrote it in his Bible. So... Um, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Lord. And <laughs> a couple days ago, actually, Monday it was, before our city was renamed Alaska, right before the freeze hit um, that evening, I came for prayer, and I was laying in my place where the Lord has had me pray for a year now, and I was just communing with the Lord, and, and wow, the crowds just came in. <laughs> and I was, um, I was just communing with the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, in the midst of my commune, my heart started racing, and I started feeling like I was having an anxiety attack. And it wasn't that I was thinking of anything. I've got a lot of things that are weighing on me right now, personal things that are requiring decisions that I don't have answers for, but the Lord does. 
And so it's really easy for our prayer time to be polluted or clouded with our thoughts. But that was, really wasn't the case. I was just laying before the Lord, probably in my heart, presenting myself to him for all that I am and where I am. Anyway, so I started feeling this just like I thought my heart was going to beat out of my chest. And I laid there for like five minutes, and it wouldn't go away. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And so what did I do? I got up, and I grabbed my stuff, and I went to run out the door. <laughs> I mean, I literally, it was just crazy. And thankfully, Pastor had just come down from doing a broadcast, and he caught me in the way. He didn't catch me, but I mean, I, he passed me in the way. And I'm very thankful for the fact that he allowed me just to process what had just happened. Um, in five minutes, and I said, I just, I just was going to run. It's not like I'm running from God. It's just I didn't know what else to do. So I went home, and, and I just sat before the Lord, and the Lord reminded me of this psalm. So that's where we're going to go today. Is that okay? Is that good? Um, you know, for many times since I've read this psalm, I've never, never really, like, parsed out the words, and I kind of went anal with you on that, and I apologize for that. But uh, I just, I really just wanted to understand what David was saying, because there's really no, there's nothing historical that says what his situation was when he wrote this. I, I couldn't find anything. But when you look at it, um, it's very poetic, and it's, it's very systematic the way that it's written. What he does is he's addressing God's constant and pervasive presence in his life, as well as his, the comprehensive and intimate knowledge that he has of us. And it, it just, it really just blows me away how big God is and how vast he is. And, and I know that when we get to heaven and we actually see him face to face, you know, I was just listening to the song in the sanctuary about wouldn't it be, um, I can't remember the words now. Something if, no, how does it go? Like him to be better than we thought. He's going to be better. Then we can even, our carnal imagination and thoughts and, and is going to be so much better. How can that be? Just because of what we know of him now, right? And so for me right now, as I stand before you, as we go into this season, um, really where we are going to host his presence at the seminar, we are, th these weeks where we're welcoming his presence, we are going to be hosting it when our saints come to this house. And, and I just want that to burn in you. Just the welcoming of it, even though he is with us now, right? He never leaves us. He never He's with us now. But... We know that there's different reasons why he comes. He comes to anoint. He comes to refresh. He comes to invigorate. He comes to anoint. I mean, all those things he comes to do, his presence is resting here. His presence is in you. His presence is resting on you. But we are just in a, we're, we're just in a, a moment where the outpouring of his presence is going to be beyond what we can even imagine. And so as his saints, as his sons, he has called upon us to welcome that. And I know that a lot of that requires our reverence of him, our awe of him. And I, I remember when we were going through, I'm going to get to this and I'm going to finish it. But I remember when we were going through, um, 25 years ago, we were going through our training, remember? And we were given, you know, being given all these books to read. And there were three books that really marked me. And one of them was, the Tale of Three Kings, because it really taught me about authority structure. And if you've not read that book, I just want to encourage you. It's Gene Edwards. It's, it's a wonderful book. I have it. If you don't have it, I'll give it to you. But um, anyway, the, other, the second one was Praying Hyde, which talked about John Hyde, I think is his name. And he was an intercessor that the Lord called, I think, to India. And the way that guy prayed just... It was like an opening to what, inter you know, what an intercessor. And um, it was just really, I mean, it marked me as an intercessor going into that calling. And then the third one was the fear of the Lord, 
which it's really only like three pages that I remember and I've never forgotten. And I really want to read them to you because it talks about the vastness of God and his creation. Um, is that okay if I do that? Yes. Okay. And I know I'm taking up my precious time, but I just feel like it's relevant. And this is just talking about God and how big he is. The very universe declares the glory of the Lord. Pause for a minute and ponder the boundless expanse of the universe. Do so and you will catch a fleeting glimpse of, glimpse of his unlimited glory. In the words of David, the universe declares it. God's creation is not limited to the earth, but in, 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 encompasses even the unknown universe. He arranged the stars of the heavens with his fingers, Psalms 8.3. For most of us, it's difficult to comprehend the vastness of the universe. Beside our sun, the nearest star is 4.3 light years away. So that this number does not just remain a figure, let's, let's expound on it. Light travels at the speed of 186, 282,000 miles per second. Not per hour, but per second. That is roughly 670 million miles per hour. Our airplanes fly approximately 500 hour, miles per hour. The moon orbits roughly 239,000 miles from the Earth. If we traveled by plane to the moon, it would take us 19 days. But light reaches there in 1.3 seconds. The sun is 93 million miles from the Earth. If you boarded a jumbo jet today and traveled to the sun, your journey would take over 21 years. Nonstop. We already know that it is 4.3 light years from the Earth. The sun is. If we build a scale model of the Earth, Sun, and the nearest star, it would be as follows. In proportion, the Earth would reduce to a size of a star, and it would be as follows. Oh, I'm sorry. I need my glasses. <laughs> Lord! <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. If we built a scale model of the Earth, Sun, and the nearest star, it would be as follows. In proportion, the Earth would reduce to the size of a peppercorn, and the Sun would become the size of an eight inch diameter ball. According to this scale, the distance from the earth to the sun would be 26 yards, a quarter length of a football field. Yet remember for a scaled airplane to span the 26 yard distance, it would take more than 21 years. So if this is the earth's and the sun's ratio, can you guess how far the nearest star would be to our peppercorn earth? Our nearest star would be placed 4,000 miles away from the peppercorn. That means if you put the peppercorn earth in San Diego, the nearest star on our scaled model would be positioned past New York and into the Atlantic Ocean 1,000 miles in the sea. To reach this closest star by airplane would take approximately 51 billion years nonstop. That's 51 billion years, yet light from this star travels to the earth in only 4.3 years. That's pretty big, right? So let's look at us. Not only are the great, is the greatness and power of God's glory seen in creation, but also his great wisdom and knowledge. Science has spent years and expended vast amounts of money to study the workings of the natural world. God's designs and his buildings block, blocks remains a marvel. All forms of created life are based on cells. Cells are the, bind, the building blocks of the human body plants, animals, and every other living thing. The human body, which in itself is an engineering wonder, contains about, I think this is 100 trillion cells, but it's like one with like 14 zeros. In his wisdom, he designed these cells to perform specific tasks. They grow, they multiply, they eventually die right on schedule. Though invisible to the naked eye, cells are not, cells are not the smallest particles known to man. Cells consist of the numerous, tinier structures called molecules, and molecules are comprised of even smaller structures called elements, and within elements can be found even tinier structures called atoms. 
Atoms are so small that the period at the end of this sentence contains more than a billion of them. As a minute, as, as minute as an atom is, it is made up of almost entirely an empty space. The rest of the atom is composed of protons, neutrons, and electrons. This is your science class. Protons and neutrons are found clustered together in a minuscule and extremely dense nucleus at the very center of the atom. Little bundles of energy called electrons whiz around this nucleus at the speed of light. These are the core building blocks that hold all things together. So where does the atom find its energy and what force holds the energetic particles together? Scientists call it atomic energy. This is merely a scientific term to describe what they cannot explain. For God has already said, he is upholding all things by the word of his power. It's Hebrews 1.3. Colossians 1.17 says, in him all things hold together. So stop and ponder for just a minute. He is the glorious maker whom even the universe cannot contain. The universe is measured by the span of his hand, yet he is so detailed in his design of the tiny earth and his creatures that it leaves modern science baffled after years of study. Now you can more clearly understand the psalmist when he states, I will praise you for I am fearfully. And wonderfully made. You can also see, especially in this dispensation, with all the science, scientific knowledge, we have amassed to date why the word says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Of course, many books can be written on the wonders and wisdom of his creation. But my purpose is to awaken amazement and wonder at the works of his hands, for they declare his great glory. And I just think that's astounding. He's so big. And yet, when we read this psalm, and, 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 and every single one of us, this psalm is written for. And um, so, we're going to launch into that, okay? Some of the just got too many atoms. <laughs> no comment there, Rick. <laughs> so, we know the psalm, it, it David is talking really about God's just constant presence in his life, his comprehensive and intimate knowledge. It's a very intimate psalm. It's very poetic. And it really speaks of the God who created us and the God who is all about relationship and intimacy with us and the reality that he knows us better than we know ourselves. It's just true. He does. And so there, it, it's broken in four, four different sections. Um, the first section it speaks of his omnipresence, which means that God is everywhere. The second part speaks of, I'm sorry, the first part speaks of his, I can never say this word, omniscient, I, 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 I mean, I even have it on my dictionary with a little, and I cannot say it, omnis, omniscience, omniscience. It's like, I, it just doesn't, yeah, I, omni it, it, it doesn't even make inside there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I hit the little thing. I even have it written out, O-M slash N-I-S-H slash U-H-N-S, like the, right. Anyway, so that's the, the first six verses speak of that, that um, God is all-knowing. His knowledge is not limited. The second part, verses 7 through 12, <laughs> speak about his, his omnipresence, that he is everywhere simultaneously. And then the third part, verses 13 through 18, speak of his omnipotence. Omnipotence. Uh, yes, his almighty power and authority. And then the last part is kind of interesting to me because David goes into the wicked and, and about God slaying the wicked. And, and so we'll get there. But, um, you know, his greatness, his vastness, our knowledge of him, it really does affect our reactions and everything that we face. And, and times of hardship, times of justice, times of glory, times of difficulty, pain. And, and so in the midst of our heartfelt journey with him, the good, the bad, the challenging, the unbelievable, the believable, we can find it like very much real and alive in this psalm. And, and I love that because, it's, you know, this book is alive. And, 
help us never to forsake that or to, to allow this to be um, really the script of our journey, just the journey of the human heart as we commune with the Lord, each one of us having this unique and, and no, unique existence and knowing that we are intimately known by Him. And like I said, I mean, that never ends. It's just going to go on for eternity. So we're going to start with verse 1, which I'm sure you guys have quoted a multitude of times. Yesterday I prayed with Olivia about something, and this is exactly where I went. You know, Lord, just search me. Search me. Um, actually, more than one at the end. But um, we never want to stop recognizing the fact that God has searched us. He searches our hearts. He's all-knowing. He knows us. And so... I gave you the, the definitions of these words. Hakar, which is searching, that means to penetrate. That means to examine intimately. It's, it's a word that is used when they were spying out the land, and that's what God has done in us. He is, he is continuously searching our hearts, um, and he knows us. And you're going to find this interesting, because I did, and that is in the first six verses of this psalm, there's um, four different, like, perception, revelatory words that David uses that are different. But it makes me realize that, you know, the Lord, when we talk about Yadah and we talk about him knowing us, we know that that is knowing through commune, through relationship, as we talk to God and, and he shares with us his, his will and who he is, then it's a continual pathway of conversation with him in that measure of yet all and um, God I mean David uses yet like seven times through this psalm but that's how God knows us he knows us through our relationship he knows us through our opening our hearts to receive him and to know him and our hunger for that and uh, verse 2 Thou knowest, thou yadah, my down-sitting and my uprising, and you understand my thought from afar. Now, this is a different, well, we've got yadah, but then, so he knows intimately our down-sitting and our, our uprising, and he understands, and this is the word ben, we've studied all these words, he knows our thoughts. Now, these thoughts, this is the word re'eah, and I think it comes from ra'ah, but it means purpose, aim, thought, and ideas, and it's, 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 it's like... He knows it as a personal friend, as a companion, who you feel confident in sharing your thoughts and your purpose and your aims and your desires. And it's, 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 it relates to Moses as he knew God face to face. And so God yadahs our down-sitting and our uprising. He knows every movement that we make. When we go out and we come in, he knows that intimately through the yadah. But then he understands our thoughts, our purpose, our ideas as an intimate friend. And this word for, for understands is this word been, which means having, knowing how to use the knowledge that we possess, knowing how to function practically in it. But it comes from the word been, meaning to discern between good and evil. And for instance, in our journey, we find ourselves in that place between good and evil. A lot. We dwell in an evil world. We dwell in darkness in so many instances. And, and yet the Lord intimately understands, knows our place there, our thoughts there, our purpose there as a companion, as a friend, as Moses did face to face. Amen? Amen. So our thoughts are open to him, and you can't hide from him. You know, you just, I, I've tried. <laughs> you can't hide your thoughts from him. I mean, even the rogue thoughts that you can't control that pop up into your mind all day, every day. Do you guys have those? <laughs> he knows those, and that's why we have to take them captive. I was just in the, in the sanctuary and just having a wonderful time with the Lord, and um, I think this is why music helps. But all of a sudden, I started thinking about Tom Brady. <laughs> and about this ridiculousness about his old team wanting him to come sign one con one day contract so that he can retire. I don't know the, the team. 
he can retire with the team that he was with for many, many years, which actually is some. Huh? <laughs> what? Patriots. The Patriots. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, how random is that? I don't. I don't even. I'm not even. A, I mean, I like the Cowboys and I like football, but that's what happens in our thoughts. God knows that, <laughs> and and yet He's so gracious and He's so good for. He's so good with us, and um, I'm sure that never happens to you. But then you know, once I realize, like, why am I thinking about this? I probably read the news article like at two in the morning. But why am I thinking about this? And then I just, you know, took it captive and went back to my focused fellowship with the Lord. Anyway, just being transparent. Verse three. He compassed, and this is the word Zara. This is another pers- perspective word. Um, my path and my lying down. Now, this word for Zara means to search out, to measure. I want y'all to stay with me here. <laughs> and it, 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 it means, or it's, tra- it's, it's, its meaning translates to stir up the air to produce a scattering or a dispensing for reasons of purification or chastisement. And so in the midst of our path, which is our well-trodden road, the Lord is searching that path out for us. And in the places where there needs to be a scattering or a dispersing or a purification in the midst of our path, he is there. He is there in that. And then it says, and thou art acquainted with all of my ways. This is, another, this is our fourth word. And this word zakan means to be familiar with, but it also means to minister, to be serviceable, to be of use, to be of profit or benefit. So in the midst of your ways, in the midst of your derrick, your road, your journey, your life as you walk with him, he is there. He is familiar with it. He is ministering in it. He is causing it to be profitable, to be of use and of benefit, to be serviceable. And I love that because it's not just this random path that we take. He is in every, every step of it. That when you turn for, to the left, to the right, Wherever you go, when you wake up, when you, when you lay down at night, he's in all of it. For there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you yada it all together. And, you know, I've been thinking about this too. <laughs> I mean, do you ever, have, do you ever some, have something come out of your mouth that you wish you didn't, didn't come out? Right? He knows that. He knows. Yeah. He knows before you even say it what's going to come out of your mouth, which is just amazing. And then verse 5, thou hast beset, or sir, and that's the word it means to him, to be, to be hemmed in, to be cramped in. He has hemmed us in from behind and from before, and he has laid or appointed or set his hand, his cap, which we've just studied this not long ago, the hollow of the hand, the palm of the hand, that always speaks of the miraculous power of the Lord as we partner with him to create something for nothing. So he has surrounded us, hemmed us in, all around, and in the midst of that place where we are in him, his hand is set upon us to partner with him in the creative miracles, the miraculous miracles. I love that. Such knowledge, this is a word da'at, and it's a derivative of yada, means to know or distinguish, <laughs> is too wonderful. It is, it is just incomprehensible for me. It is high. It is inaccessible. I cannot attain it. I'm not able to attain it. And I think, you know, in our humanity, it's difficult to comprehend the vastness of God and um, his knowledge of us. It's, 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 that's why I read this this to you and I think that's why it left a mark on me because even way back then when we were asked to read that it was I was just it's just when you put it in perspective of our vernacular it's just astounding to think that God holds the the universe in the palm of his hand right it's just amazing to me he's that good and yet he is right here intimately knowing your thoughts you're coming, you're going, you're rising, you're falling. The words that are on your mind, 
So he knows every move that we make and the thoughts in the middle of the night when you wake up. I know this has been happening to me where I wake up and I start thinking about decisions or things that I don't have answers to and it just if it goes into a tailspin if I'm not careful and then I have to just rewind and say Lord you know you're right here you're in the midst of it you have the resolution and I'm going to declare that right now this is going to be a month of resolution where the Lord is going to get to the root of things and he's going to resolve things at the root he's going to resolve whatever it is you're contending for that you have no answer for I'm just going to prophesy that the Lord is going to bring resolution. And it may not look like you expect, but I'm telling you, He is about to blow me away. He is. And I'm going to testify. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you, Katie. (laughs) Okay. Verse 7. This is, this is the section that talks about it, that God is everywhere. His, his, his presence is constant, is pervasive. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, thy ruah, and whether shall I flee from thy presence? And we've, we've been taught about this. We've studied about this, the difference between his spirit and his presence. But he is one. He is, I mean, it's all him, okay? But just to refresh us, just so that in the context of this, this passage, Ruah is the spirit of God, um, the whirlwind, the wind, his breath. It represents the person of God, the heart and individuality of the God, of the God, of God. <laughs> and it, when it's used in scripture, it's usually mentioned as the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of Elohim, but it also speaks of that spirit that resides within us, the Ruah that resides within us. And it, it comes upon a person often as an anointing or an activation, something that's imparted to represent God in some way. We're so thankful for that. And I think in a lot of ways, we're welcoming that. We, we need his anointing. We need his presence um, for where we are going. And we're asking him to go before us. So it invigorates, it, it directs us individually in the partnership with the purpose of God. And so David is saying, where can I go from your ruah? I can't get away from it. And then, whither shall I fr- flee from your panah, your presence? And another thing that we've just recently studied and have studied it many times in the past, that's the panah, which is the face, is a noun, is to turn, is a verb. And it, it, it really represents the role of the presence of God as it works within us and through us. As we, you know, meet with him in intimacy, face to face, being in his presence, um, being one with him in closeness and in his purpose, his agenda as intimate friends, um, but, but follow the nuances of his ways, the turning and the timing of that. And so this is where we align our innermost spiritual capacity with him and with his purpose. And so David is saying, where shall I free, flee from thy presence? And, you know, I can't say that the other day when I got up to run, that's what I was doing. I, I wasn't even, I didn't even think. I just, I could not, it was just like this something in my heart. It was just like, I couldn't get a breath. I couldn't breathe. But perhaps the Lord was just wanting to show me this, that you want to run because his presence is so weighty. And it's so beyond me. It's so beyond and incomprehensible for me to recognize that, this God loves me. Every, I mean, every, he knows every cell in my body. I mean, he, and he yeah. So, I mean, I, I, there we are. Now, his presence, it, it is reserved for those that are partnering with him in deeper ways. Moses knew him as a friend face to face. And David understood this because David was, I mean, what? He was a man after God's heart. He delighted to do his will. And so really his presence indicates a type of relationship. And, and we are asking him as his sons and daughters, as his friends, his prophets, apostles, we are asking him to step deeper into that measure of relationship with him and his presence to know him in a deeper way and to really, you know, understand scripturally what this means for us. 
And aren't you thankful for that? I mean, there's nothing better. <laughs> there is nothing better. Um, we know the first issuance of his presence was in the garden, so really we were created to dwell there with him in his presence. And we cannot go out of his reach. There's no veil that can hide us. We can try to hide like Adam and Eve did, but there's really no disguise that's going to hide us from him. And this I know, he will never stop pursuing us. And I have said that when I have ministered to people that were running from him more than once. He is a God that will never stop pursuing you, your heart. And that's pretty weighty. Jeremiah 23, verses 23 through 24 Am I a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him? Says the Lord, do not I feel heaven and earth, says the Lord? He is. He is. And the context of this passage is, is, is addressing the false prophets that were just running rampant and causing the people of God to, to turn away from Yahweh. Um, but, you know, it, to me, it just, it's, it's, it speaks to me of his pursuit of us in relationship as friends and as prophets. And there are no secret places that he will not see. And he's not a God that is afar off. He's right here. Amen? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now, this used to kind of trip me up. <laughs> I, it really did. I really never really understood this passage until I understood the, un, the principle of sh, the, the she, she, here we go again. Sheol, Sheol, Sheol. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I need to learn a new language. So vertically, we know heaven. We see him in heaven. We, we, our conversation is in heaven. We are seated in heavenly seats. We pray in the temple. We understand the heaven part, but the hell part is a little more, more difficult. But the point is, is that he's there. He's everywhere, in between. He's all encom encompassing, and his presence is inescapable. Now, we understand that Sheol... Is a, a derivative of Sha'al. I had forgotten this, but I think that's fascinating. And it translates as hell and grave in the Old Testament. But what it really means is to be shrouded or hidden. Okay? And it corresponds with Hades, which is the Greek word for hell. Now, you think, okay, why would he be there? Well, I'm just here to tell you. He says, David is saying, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to, to hell, you're there. Well, did not the Lord, Jesus, speak to Peter and say, Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, are, will not prevail. So for us, as the church, we are called to pursue those hidden places. We are pursued, um, we are called to, to pursue them and take them back, okay? And so we have to go there. <laughs> I mean, we just do. I mean, when we think, oh my gosh, why am I in this dark place? It's because probably God has ordained for you to be there to do something, to bring light, to apply wisdom, to take back, to establish his glory, whatever it might be. So I understand it a lot better than I did when I was 10. But um, that's what David is saying. I, th I think it's interesting that one of the places that word bed is used is uh, in Isaiah, where it talks about spreading uh, ashes and wearing sackcloth and laying, laying before the Lord in regard to believing him in a fast for some kind of a breakthrough. <clears throat> and um, so it, it could be just David saying, hey, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not making a, a cot here to go night-night. It could just be, as you were saying, that I'm offering some kind of a, of a sacrificial devotion before the Lord in this location hmm. and um, uh, well, I'm believing for something to happen hmm. something of a breakthrough to happen or something of a of an access point and so you know it's just interesting because you know the easy mark would be to say my bed and it was used for bed oh you mean in a iniquitous way 
What, no, 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 for somebody to sleep, you know. Oh, I thought you meant with David. Yeah, if I'm in bed in hell, I mean, it would, it, the easy thing would be to say, this is, you know, I'm, I have nowhere else to go, so I'm staying here. But I, it, the, to me, it's, it's a proactive, it's a proactive um, devotion to the Lord to see that place turned. You're there because God has directed you, and you, He is there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of in, that's enlightening, definitely. Because yeah. I, I mean, I've always struggled with that verse, <laughs> but it does make a whole lot more sense understanding what these words mean. Especially since it's connected with if I ascend to heaven. Yeah. And if I if I then, as a result of that, am camped out here on my face before you at the gates of hell, I mean, it, it would make sense. Kingdom come, will be done. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father has. Uh, I'm giving you the keys, and the gates of hell will not prevail. It, 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 mean, it seems to me that that would be what it is. Now, again, there's a lot of times where our table is in the presence of our enemy, and mm -hmm. you know the enemy surrounds us, and wickedness is all around. But and that certainly would apply. But I think this is more proactive. And this is speaking of a place, yeah. not a, not experience or a, a situation, an atmosphere. It's a place. Yeah. Are, are you wondering why God's presence would be in hell? Well, I, I've struggled. Yeah, I've struggled with that. I guess the question is, if it were not there, how would Christ have been resurrected? This is true. This, that's true. And take those king, those keys. Yeah. But then those in hell are separated from God. They are. So they're... <clears throat> it's as if they know His presence is there, but they are not part of His presence. They're separated. They can't know Because even, even on earth, people know when they're separated from God. Well, sin does that. Yeah. The Bible talks about that. Yes. So well, when they're, I... They're aware that His presence, but... Now I'm supposing, so let's take it from that. I don't have a scripture and verse on that. That's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I think... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Report back. <laughs> well, you think about it too. I mean, uh, who, who prepared or who created hell? Yeah. God he did. He prepared it for yes. the devil and, and those angels that fell. So, I mean, he's, he's presiding over every bit of it. Heaven... Or in this case, Sheol or Hades, and uh, that's part of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then to further throw <laughs> <laughs> something else into the pot, <laughs> how was paradise there? Now it's not there, but how was why was paradise there? Okay, you get back to us on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's high level. There's one coming for you, too. <laughs> you know, why, why did God choose that to begin with, you know? You know, it's interesting talking about His presence, and, and we, we said this a few minutes ago. I mean, His presence is, is res, it's reserved for people in relationship with Him, but yet when you talk about Him knowing the, hair, the number of hairs on your head, I mean, He created all humanity. He created all of creation, every part that we read about. I mean, yet His presence... Like you said, Dennis, I mean, active sin will separate you from his presence. And anyway, I digress. Yeah, I took this there. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, no, you didn't. That, that's good. Those are nice socks. He has uh, time-saving ways of counting your hair on your head, too. He does. Part of that. I want to know if you dispute that number. I want, you know, God, I don't know if you really know. I used to have that many. <laughs> Okay, we have to move on because I'm going to get finished because that's, that's the directive. <laughs> I want to be obedient to that. Uh, if I take the wings of the morning or the dawn and dwell in the uttermost parts, the very edge of the sea, this to me speaks of just the expansion of time and place. Even there shall thy hand, and this is the word yad, which is the open hand, and we know if we don't have this, if we don't know this, I mean, we know that it speaks of partnership, creativity, um, really the inauguration of the cycle of his ways. Um, so his open hand, his hand of just 
partnership and creativity will guide us. And his right hand, which is a word that means his strong or more dexter dex dexterous. Did I say that right? There's something seriously going on with my, yeah. Um, shall hold me, shall, tell, shall possess me, seize me, grasp me, hold me. So, and then verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And this word for cover is interesting. It's this word soup or sup. And it means to bruise, to crush, to break, or to cover. Now, have you guys ever felt the darkness trying to crush you? I have. But in those moments when that darkness feels like it is crushing you, it says, even the night shall be light about me. I love this. It's so good. <clears throat> Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both a light to you. So for God and his presence, even the darkness is not dark to him. For the light shines as bright as the day, and the darkness is as light with him. And, you know, I mean, I think we know, I, I pulled this from my spirit-filled life Bible. It says, in the ancient Near East, light was typically associated with divine presence, while darkness was associated with chaos and death. But the writer of Psalm 139 suggests that if he were in the darkness, this place of chaos and death, the place that is absent of light, then perhaps finally he would find a place apart from God. But the psalmist quickly realizes the fault in his logic because even the darkness will not be dark to God. The darkness quickly ceases to be darkness because the radiant light of God, his very presence, casts out darkness. John 1, 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends him not. And then we move into verse 13, which is the last... Oh, I'm sorry. It's the third section, verses 13 through 18. And it speaks of his infinite power and authority. Thou hast possessed my reins. This word for, for, for possessed is the word kana, and it means to be created or acquired by purchase. And then my reins is our heart, soul, the seat of our emotions. It's translated as kidneys. And the kidneys are what filters impurities from blood. And I think this is so interesting because you can look at it. This was before Jesus ever came to the earth. But David is saying this, that he, he possesses my heart, my soul, the seat of my, my soul and my emotions. He possesses that. He has acquired it by purchase. And it translates as really something that filters impurities through the blood. And how did he do that? He did it through the pure blood of Jesus. And um, so he, he possesses that. He owns that. He, he, he really does. I mean, we take it back from him, but he, it, it belongs to him. And he has covered me in my mother's womb. This word for cover means to be hedged in, to be entwined in my mother's womb. To me, that just means a secret place or, or when you were being formed in your mother's womb. Um, he, he, covered, he had you covered. You were already fenced in in him. And the word for cover is, is the word that's used in Exodus 33:22, where Moses was put in the cleft of the rock and the Lord covered him with his hand while he passed by. And so there's a connection between that cover and the hand of the Lord and in his mother's, in, in our mother's womb. You know, to me, it's very prophetic because I know that there's moments in our spiritual lives where we find ourselves in the womb. I know this sounds swirly, but to me, it's likened to when a seed falls to the ground and it's in the deep dampness and the darkness of the soil and, 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 and its life is, is coming forth, creative life and beauty and fruitfulness. And so in that place, um, he's with us. And then verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works 
and this word means intricate needlework. So when he worked, when he formed you together, it was literally like knitting you together. And my soul knows right well. So, you know, we're not mass produced. <laughs> we're not automatons. We're all different. Every cell, every part of us is different one from the other. And before we were even known to our mothers, God was forming just every intricate detail and the fabric of who we are. And my prayer for us is that we would be able to see ourselves and we would be able to see others through his eyes, through those eyes that formed us in such a magnificent, extraordinary way. Every trait, every characteristic, knowing that it was created for the purpose of God. Amen. Every talent, yes. Amen. Okay. And that every part of us, I mean, the talents, the gifts, every part has a place in the kingdom, has a place in the workforce of the kingdom of God. And um, all to bring glory to Him. Amen. Verse 15, my substance, and this is one of our power words that we've studied about as well, and this is osam, comes from asam, and it basically means the, the base of our spiritual destiny. It's, it's the framework, the structure of, of, of our body and um, like the skeletal system and the spiritual skeletal system within us, the strength and, and extension of our body, okay, as we are identified with him, partnering in his grace according to his purpose. And so our substance, our our, our structure was not hid or concealed from him when we were made in the secret place and we were curiously knit in the lowest parts of the earth. And this to me speaks of the womb again. And it really, I mean, you talk about abortion. All you have to do is read those passages. And the infinite God, yeah. Thine eyes did see my substance same word, awesome. Yeah. Yet being imperfect, and this is a word, golem. In golem, it translates as embryo and fetus, but it means a formless mass or an incomplete vessel. I'm going to keep moving, guys. So he, what David is saying is the Lord's eyes saw his structure being even in that place where it was unperfect, a formless mass without structure. And in thy book, all my members were written, which is a continuation, a continuance, were fashioned or formed as a potter forms a clay when, when yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts, and this is our word Rhea again, which translates as purpose unto me, O God, and how great Powerful, vast, and mighty is the sum of them. Amen. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I guess he counts in his sleep. <laughs> I am still with thee. I love that. And then there's a sudden transition here at the end of this psalm. Um, really, it's, it's somewhat of an awareness of sin and wickedness and the responsibility of addressing that um, with the Lord. But it's just interesting. It's just interesting. So verse 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. And slay is cut off, kill, destroy. Wicked is morally wrong or ungodly. And here he, he brings in Elohim, which is very interesting to me. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men. And I guess, you know, maybe what David is saying, and I'm just speculating here, is, you know, reflecting on the precious and gracious thoughts that God has towards him, surely God is not going to leave him in the hands of wicked men. But God will, it's God's battle and he will go before him. Um, For they speak against me wickedly, and this wickedly is, speaks of purpose, evil devices, evil thoughts. And thine enemies take thy name in vain, emptiness, falsehood, sense of desolating, evil as destructive. Do I not hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect or complete hatred. 
I count them my enemies. So he's expressing really just this burning indignation against moral evil and against um, selfishness, injustice, untruths, anything that comes against the living God that he serves. And we really, I mean... That's politically incorrect. Huh? That's politically incorrect. Yes, I know. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> so, you know, our recourse with the wicked is turning to God and being in His presence. And, um, you know, we, we, we talk about Him going before us and we've been praying that. And that, that's not just so that His presence meets us there and we have this anointing and people are healed and saved and all of that. That's also to fight our battles, to, to, to do the warfare in the midst of the wicked. And we need this, guys. I mean, we, we really, this is part of our intercession in the season is, is to address this very thing, but also knowing that it's his presence and it's partnership with his hand and just recognizing who he is, mighty in battle. I mean, the Lord of hosts and yeah. So then we end with the famous search me, O God, and know my heart. And we, we already talked about the word search. It's examined intimately and thoroughly. And then heart is our inner man, our inner soul. And then it says, try me. And that means to put to test, to refine, to examine, to prove me, to investigate, to tempt me, to scrutinize me. And this word for thoughts, and I think this is where I come full circle, is the cogitations of our mind. <laughs> And the anxiety that we deal with and the disquieting thoughts that we have as we live on this earth and we have to deal with darkness and evil and challenges in our lives. And all we can do is pursue His presence and know that He is with us through all of it. And He and has he every, every answer. Huh? And He talks to us about it. He certainly does. Yeah, He is. About those things. Yeah, so in our deliberations with him, we do that. We have that intimate conversation. Trust me, yeah. I've been having some pretty serious intimate conversations. <laughs> I mean, we all do. We all are. And and he's just so faithful, and he's just so good. And 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 then the last verse, and see ra'ah. And ra'ah is discerning between good and evil. I mean, it's that's... Um, that there be any wicked, and this word for wicked means, are there any idols... And guys, that's so easy for all of us. <laughs> any pain, any sorrows, any offenses, any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I'm just telling you that we are in a moment where we need to deal with these things. And we don't want to be offended. And it can come on you. <laughs> I mean, and, and we don't want to have any idols. We, we, don't, we don't want to wallow in our pain and our sorrows. That is not godly. And so the Lord is saying that, He's saying to us, say to me, search me, and know my heart, and see, you know, know my thoughts and the anxieties and the troubles, the cogitations that I'm dealing with, and, and help me there, and, and make me aware and see that there's no wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. So we don't want anything that's going to interrupt or pollute or corrupt our relationship with his presence. And, you know, David begins with searching and he ends with searching. And he asks God to test him as a refiner test metal. And knowing that God knows everything, he knew David's anxious thoughts. I mean, David was a warrior. And he had to have some of those, right? I mean, we, we've, we talk about him being in the cave. I mean, there's just so many stories. Um, well, it's funny because it actually begins with, it says, Yahweh has searched me. And in the end, he's asking, do it again. Yeah. 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 So, I leave you with that. And I leave you with what I began with, and that is, it is my prayer that uh, 
that we would know him, that our hearts would burn to know him, that there would be nothing more important to us than that yada, that the relationship that we have with him, to know him, and, and subsequently to, you know, nothing can separate us from his agape. And that, that breathing hard, just burning hard after him and his purpose, because as we, I know this from experience, the deeper we get into his heart, the more we come out burdened with his purpose. And when I say burden, that's not a negative sense. That is carrying the burden of the Father for restoration for this earth. And that is the glory, and that is the blessing, and the privilege that we have in our communion with him. And I am so thankful, and I'm so thankful to be able to do it with you. Amen. So I bless you in his presence, and um, I, thank, I thank him. And I, I'm here to tell you that I will never run. Because <laughs> there's no way I can go, nowhere I can go, and there's nowhere I want to go. I, I want nothing but to be in the very center of his heart. And so I know you, have the, you, you want the same thing. So thank you, Lord. Lord, bless this day. Bless every point of ministry. Lord, help us to glorify you and all that we do, all that we say. Um, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the season. And Lord, help us to be faithful in it. And yeah, we bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, wow.